everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Unapologetically Different Podcast. I'm your co-host, Key. And I'm your co-host, Coach P. And that sweet, smooth sound you hear in your ears right now, that's the Unapologetically Different ringtone. And if you haven't gotten it already, definitely go and make that purchase. For Android users, you can check out the Tune Store. And for Apple users, you can purchase it at the iTunes Store. And we really appreciate all the support. And again, just a dope smooth tune in your ear so we appreciate the support as always so how was your weekend key it was good i mean i worked a lot so i didn't really get to enjoy it as much but i had a pretty decent weekend how about you um i had a really good weekend yeah i went on a date first time in a while yeah how was that it was all right (laughs) is it gonna be a follow-up i don't know so that's a no. Not, okay. I'm not sure. That's a dub. That's not even. But it it was fun. I just felt like I haven't been out there dating as much and starting to get nice again. Starting to feel good back in the gym. Just just out I there. I see you out here getting buff. Oh, thank Pia you. Pia got you. muscles, y'all. I'm thank like, you. all right now, <laughs> looking like a snack. Ooh, yes, daddy. Yes. Lego. <laughs> Well, I mean, the season is picking up, so I guess this is the time to be going on dates for the summer. So I hope you get to go on many more, whether it's with that person or someone else. Yeah. What about you? You seen anybody? Not right now. Got it. Not right now, but... Keep once... single. Power. <laughs> once the weather picks up, definitely going to be going out on dates. I really like this time to go out on dates and kind of be able to walk around in the city and do different things and go into like little hole in the wall spots so that's like the opposite of like what's normal in our like in our generation now what you saying it's hot now it's like starting season (laughs) nobody's trying to be cuffed up everyone is like hey big head what's up stranger I forgot you were part of Lawrence Hobbs. So, yeah. Fuckboy Chronicles, too. (laughs) So, let's talk about that. (laughs) Um, Speaking on that note. You ain't shit. Speaking of fuckboys. Oh. um, That probably wasn't the best introduction. I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to bring it back. Nah, segue into that shit. You know we like to keep it 100 here. Um, No shade. Just keeping it 100. So, as, as you all know, we started our book club this season. And the second book that we were going to read was This Is How You Lose Her. Well, we was reading the book. Yes. Partway. Yes. And it was um, the book This Is How You Lose Her by Juno Diaz. And we actually talked about his powerful piece that he wrote for The New Yorker about his childhood trauma that he, he dealt with and overcoming sexual assault as a man of color. But recently, several women have come forward with accusations of sexual misconduct and verbal abuse. So one of the first women that came out was Zinzi Clemens, and she tweeted her encounter with Diaz back when she was a grad student. She was 26 years old at the time, and she invited him to her school to speak at a workshop about issues of representation in literature. And he cornered her and forcibly kissed her. She also claimed that there were others, but she refused to be silent. Carmen Machado also came out and made accusations against Diaz, stating during his tour for This Is How You Lose Her, she asked him questions about his protagonist's unhealthy pathological relationship with women. And he went off 
He raised his voice, paced, and implied that she was a prude who didn't know how to read or draw reasonable conclusions from her text. And just ironically enough, in the New Yorker article, he did discuss how oftentimes his protagonists in his book were characters loosely based off of himself and kind of getting that background of the sexual assault that he dealt with as a child and then seeing how that played into his adult life. Um, Carmen was asking a very valid question and just like kind of being able to have hindsight as 2020, it looked like during this um, tour, that question kind of struck a chord with him. And then another one, Monica Byron, she met him at dinner with other people and she was also an author and she disagreed with him on a point but she wasn't sure what turned the conversation off, but he apparently yelled rape in her face. And she claims that he made a point talking over her, cutting her off, and ignoring her to talk to other male sci-fi writers at the table. So Diaz did respond to these claims by stating he took full responsibility for his past and that this is the reason he made the decision to tell the truth about his rape and a damaging aftermath. That's a lot. It is a lot. And it's crazy because as I was reading the book and the relationship that he had with the female in the book and why, you know, kind of went left, I kept in mind his New Yorker piece. Mm -hmm. And I it was like a justification for his actions. So I felt like if that piece never happened, if it never existed, I would have looked at his book differently. Because as I was reading, I was like, yo, like, he had a traumatic experience growing up. This is why he acts out in certain ways. And this is how he looks at things and why the relationship was failing. But then it was like, okay, when this came about, you know, we talked about it, like what to do. We're midway in the book. The whole premise of us doing a book club is to promote these authors who have their book out and also to dissect their reading and kind of see how it applies to us. And I was perplexed. I'm not going to lie. I was just like, I don't really want to continue reading this book because, and it was my book that I selected because it was my turn to select the book. Pierre had selected four agreements the first time and second time around was this book. And I was like, I don't feel comfortable finishing it because all of these new details are coming to surface. And I'm just like, you know, with the whole Me Too movement, we've been talking about that a lot on our show. Me Too, Time's Up, with all these other people who have been a part of it. Um, And now it's like, it's happening with him. And I guess what struck a chord for me is when he said, you know, he takes responsibility for what his actions. And that's why it was his decision to tell the truth. And it's like, this is, it's, it's weird to me because it's like, did you tell your story because you knew females was going to come forward and you want, you want some form of sympathy and people to be like understanding. Well, why are you, are you just told your story? Cause you was ready because that's the same argument we could say to these women who have come forward about sexual assault. Why you took so long? Like in our, Previous episode, we talked about Cosby time up. Why you took so long? Why are you coming out now? What's your intentions? What's your motive? It's so crazy because when his story came forward, I didn't want to think about those things. Those questions entered my mind. And I'm going to be real because we are real on the show. But I was like, it doesn't matter why he's telling it now. He's telling his story and it's an impactful story. Very powerful piece by the New York. I'm not even going to negate his experience because of what's come to surface. But it's like to know that you confirm that you said it because you knew these um accusations going to come forward it's kind of like really like are you really looking for genuine sympathy or like are you just doing it so you could play victim in a scenario that like, i carried on like that because of this and it's like how do you expect people to take people apart a sexual assault a sexual assault victim seriously it's like oh now you're going to tell your and what i find to be very interesting is that 
I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm, maybe I view it different. I feel like people are not ripping him apart enough heavily for telling his story now. But when it's a woman that comes forward and doesn't have any hidden agendas, no motive, it's like, why are you doing it now? Why are you waited so long? Statues of limitations. And it's like, but he told his story about being raped. And I just, there are talks about it, but I feel like he's just not being ripped apart for it because of this, I guess, because of the severity of the situation that happened when he was a child. In any event, we decided not to move forward on reading the book. Um, so we are going to be getting another book in its replacement. I personally just don't feel comfortable reading the book. And I want to promote other authors out there. And I'm sure this more stories are going to come to surface about what's going around with Diaz and other past encounters he had. It'll be nice if he came out actually speaking to these experiences and giving, you know, his take on it. Um, so it may not seem one-sided, but he already came out stating why he moved forward with The New Yorker. So my book of choice is going to be, well, That Escalated Quickly by Francesca Ramsey. It's Memoirs and Mistakes of an Accidental Activist. We will be posting it on our social media page, and we will be giving you our reviews about the book on our next episode. So please stay tuned. Awesome. I look yeah, forward to yeah. reading it. I actually really like that title. I know the um, title was nice. That, that escalated quickly. I know. And for those of you who know her, she was a um, contributor on Larry Wilmore's show, which was a great late night show. Very similar to kind of Trevor Noah format. I believe his show aired before Trevor Noah's or afterwards, and it got canceled about a year or so ago. But he is one of the writers or, I believe, producers on Insecure, so Ooh. that's really dope. I love Larry Wilmore. I like, I'm obsessed with him. Um, he's creative genius and um so yeah she was a part of the show and i want to check out her book because she was just an amazing person and she was very she's very funny hilarious to the bone so we'll be posting on social media so you guys can check it out coolio now on to the next so meek mill is free y'all <laughs> yeah free meek mill hashtag clearly work Yo, Meek Mill is living his best life right now. He out right now, bro. But you know what's so crazy? Before we get into it, I feel like people look at him differently now. Yeah. Like, he's getting mad sympathy. Before, it was like him versus Drake back to back. And then how he did Nicki Minaj. Like, how he was trying to throw shade at her. And no one was really... It was like he was in a corner. And now it's like... You know, you know, I always bring it back to Scandal the Show, even though it's done. It's so funny how something negative can happen and it could put someone in a better light. Because that's literally what's becoming of it. Now, everybody is pro Meek Mills. Meek Brian. is up. Let's <laughs> go. <laughs> now it's Meek season, you right? <laughs> so let's just give a little backstory about it. Because I feel like people did not really know the intricate details as to what happened. And honestly, I didn't know. It was all of this back and forth for years. Yeah. Um, so I find it to be very interesting. Um, so in 2008, Meek Mill was convicted on a gun charge. He spent eight months in prison and was placed on probation for five years. In 2012, he was pulled over by the cops on Halloween. Apparently, they smelled marijuana coming from his car. Um, he was arrested for refusing to allow the cops to search his car. And then 2014, he must have been smoking a lot of weed to make smell that shit from the car, though. Like, <laughs> that must have been a lot of weed, bro. Um, so 2014, he was sent to tour for his Dreams and Nightmares album, which I really do like that album. However, he violated his parole by booking appearances um, outside of Philly without the judge approval. The judge name is Brinkley, by the way, um, which I find to be weird because he's an artist, he's a performer. 
and he would have to travel outside of Philly in order for him to even make any kind of funds off of this album off of that matter. So I don't get the restrictions. But anyway, he was sentenced to three to six months in jail. He was released that December 2014 and he was put on parole in order to complete an etiquette class. 2016, he was in court again for traveling without Brinkley's um, approval. February 2016, he was sentenced to house arrest for 90 days, forced to wear an ankle monitor, participate in community service, and prohibited from working and traveling outside of Philly again. And then um, Judge Brinkley, she reinstated his probation condition, so it was extended. 2017, he was involved in a fight at St. Louis Airport. He refused to take a picture with an employee. And I mean, this happened with celebrities. Like, not all the time you want to take a picture with somebody. Yeah, in this I, I, case, I hate when people try to come up to me asking me, Coach P, Coach P, Coach P, let me take a picture. I'm like, come on. Nigga, who? Where? What block? What corner? Will you, you guy? I'm sorry, boo. <laughs> You was feeling yourself? You gotta, you gotta dream. I'm living into the, that future. You living into that future? Yeah. It's alright, but I'll let you have your little dream. They're gonna know my name. It's good to dream. <laughs> Heard you. So, um, as I was saying, he got in a fight with the employee at the St. Louis airport. As a result, he was charged with a misdemeanor assault and was given court summons. I, I just find that hilarious that... He got into a fight with someone who was trying to take a picture with him. <laughs> Yo. Like, I, I really wish I got to see how that that escalated quickly. But it's like sequence of events, like bad luck after bad luck after bad luck. Bruh. Yeah. In that same year, he performed at The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. And a, a part of his performance was popping a wheelie for about 10 seconds. And the video went viral and the judge found out about this incident. And he was charged with reckless endangerment and reckless driving. So due to those two encounters, Judge Brinkley sentenced Meek Mills to two to four years in state prison. And you know what's crazy about that? Him popping a wheelie. Cops was within the vicinity when it happened. They didn't arrest him. They all saw him do it. It wasn't an issue until, I guess, she reviewed the... um video and it was like oh no this is a problem yeah she claimed that she gave him break after break and he just thumbed his nose to the court but what break did she give him apparently six months in jail is a break and five-year probation but then he's in jail and when he out of jail he's either doing community service he's being monitored so he doesn't really have any kind of freedom well that's how our system works kiana <laughs> you, if if you're out of jail and you're on probation you you getting that's a break for you. You're lucky you're not behind bars. I mean, you it's just, just the fact that this been going on since '08, and like, what well, we in 2018 now? Like, come on, bruh. Like all of that. Word. It's like a a lot of back and forth, and it's like it's hard for him to really go anywhere. And he's a performer. Like it defeats the purpose of what he's doing. Yeah. He better off just getting a nine to five and calling it a day. <laughs> no shade, but I'm just saying. Um. Yeah. So there have been talks that the judge has personal bias towards Meek, and Meek Mills claims that Brickley is allegedly infatuated with him to the point where she requested that Meek leaves Rock Nation to sign with a friend of hers. That I just think that's hilarious that she has someone who she wanted to get signed to. Well, allegedly. 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, <laughs> he also claimed that Brinkley requested... He recorded a Boys to Men song in tribute to her. 
I'm trying to think of what song she want though, because they got so many. They got so the many hits. good hits. Mm-hmm. Panty droppers, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Uh, Sorty, uh, uh, yes, uh, uh, daddy, yes. Uh, uh. All right, we gotta get back to the show. Okay, so additionally, <laughs> she showed up. She she showed up to his community service for the homeless and actually watched him do the this community service. But that's the thing I thought was weird, because if that if that really did happen, though, like real talk. I didn't know judges... Like, you got time on your hands to go watch somebody do community service as a judge. Normally, you just give them the notice that what they're supposed to do and fulfill in a deadline, and they come back to the court. Like, you stepped out your chambers to yeah. go watch this man do said, community service. Said out the chambers. <laughs> well, normally, you're not a hip-hop star or a celebrity with the name. I'd be over there, too. Like, if I, I gave Beyonce community service, I'm going to be at all her community services. I don't services think you have to do that. As to a judge, sure I mean, I can understand if she sent her assistant. Even if, And to me, it's like, why do you need to do that? I she's, guess... Apparently, she's infatuated with him. Uh, allegedly. That's... You just got to just take the L, me. Get with the judge. Nah, screw and, taking and the L. And you'll be good. Fight the fight with a good fight. And I think he did a great job because on the 24th of April, the Supreme Court issued an order to the lower court to have him have an early release. Look at that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. I think it's great. Um, it's meek season. It definitely is meek season. And I think what we can get out of this situation, like I know Pierre and I, we were joking around here and there, is that the reality of what's going on with the prison industrial complex and parolees. Um, so... There is a racial disparities between blacks and whites <clears throat> on parole. The numbers are staggering. Blacks make up more than 40% of all parolees in the country. In some states, the percent and number of blacks on parole is far higher. They are more likely to be on parole than whites. They stay on parole for longer times. And this is where the Meek Mills case and the plight of other black parolees are a crisis issue. Um, and that's why other artists have chimed in, like Jay-Z, T.I., um, really spoke about this situation with the Meek Mills, and I believe other politicians are chiming in as well, because it is very problematic for our community as to what's happening at high rates of black men and women. Let's not forget the females out there who are on parole, and it's like you're free, but you're not really free. And any little thing they do, as you can see, he doing a, a wheelie for 10 seconds, it's a problem. He violated his parole. Um, and you know it's real when a, a old white billionaire, shout outs to Robert Kraft, is even supporting Meek Mills hello. and saying like that the system is wrong and that he doesn't deserve what he's getting. So that was the most shocking thing I saw in 2018. That, yeah. The picture of Robert Kraft, Gucci man, and, and Meek Mills, Mills. <laughs> at, the, at the game. I was like, look at this joint. Um... And also keeping in mind that blacks are far more likely than whites to basically go back into prison for violations. Violations are often arbitrary and can be very petty. And the reality is that parolee is completely under the control of a parole officer or agency. And his every action is being closely watched and monitored. And this is a way for the courts to reinforce that parolees have limited freedom in society. It's like, oh, we allow them back in society, but they don't have all the access and resources or freedom as another human being who did not commit a crime or something along those lines. Or even someone who, a white person who committed a crime and went back into society, but they're not under the same stipulations. Um, what was your thought of his arrest when it initially happened? Initially, when Meek got arrested, I was like, damn, that sucks. But I, honestly, I just assumed that he was doing something he shouldn't have been doing. I didn't really know 
much about the actual situation. But then when I found out it was like the the wheelie and reckless endangerment, I'm like, wait, what? Are you kidding me right now? Like, this is just ridiculous. And I felt really, really bad for him. Like, Mm -hmm. dude cannot take, can't get a W, just taking L after L after L, back to back. Go from back to back. But do you think his story would have got as much recognition if he wasn't a celebrity, if he wasn't a rapper, if he wasn't affiliated to Rock Nation? Definitely not, because this happens all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially after learning more about it when we did our Khalif Broader episode, Shackles. Definitely go check that out. Very powerful episode. Yes, part one and part two, um, season one. Mm -hmm. So... um, after really learning about how the parole system worked and when even when people aren't in jail, they'll take plea bargains and then they'll be on parole and then at any point, anything that they do at that point can just get them back into the system, get them arrested and basically just have them under lock and chain with but being out in the world and then how it just affects their opportunity to get jobs, to get loans, um, Everything. It's just, it's really detrimental, just the quality of life that they have. And I never realized how bad it is. So if you really, if you, I, I don't know the numbers, but if you look at the number of people of color in jail and on parole. It's staggering. Yeah, it's just insane. Um, it's ridiculous. So. And also too, like, keeping in mind, I think he did, he's doing interviews now because he's out, he's free. Um. I guess he was kind of saying that he doesn't necessarily want to be like the poster boy or like a role model in regards to the situation. Um, But I really, I understand his stance on it to some extent, but I really hope that he takes this on and become an advocate because I feel like he could do so much more being that he is uh, a black person who's from Philly and he came from, you know, being in urban areas and not having a great upbringing in terms of financially being stable or anything of that sort. And now this happened to him. I think this has transformed his life in a sense. And also his image. I feel like people are much more sympathetic. Like I said earlier today, it was like people are more like, yo, Meek Mills. Like before it was like, nah, you know. But it would be nice if him and other artists kind of came together and did something more pertaining to this. Because it's not going to go away. Yeah. It's not something that's going to fix itself. <laughs> you know that shit ain't going to happen. And... I think that the fact that they're bringing a lot of light to this, especially after you go through the, the sequence of events of how it led up to this. And then also, like, the judge is kind of funny. You know what I'm saying? Her intentions may not be all that there. She may be biased. And that may be the case for other black people, black and brown people in these situations where they have judges that are biased. And they have to go through certain things or parole officers who are biased. And they got to deal with that. Because is there really a check and balance system with that? Um, So I really hope that he takes it on and hopefully other artists and other celebrities utilize their platform and make this a bigger deal because it's something that can make a difference. We've seen with Khalif Browder, the result of that is allegedly they're going to close Rikers Island. When is that going to happen? We will be said about 10 years or less. Not sure when it's going to actually be put into effect, but the point of what I'm saying is that when these incidents happen and we bring a lot of light to it and we are strategic with how we want to find resolutions, we can, you know, do a lot more than opposed to saying like, well, I don't want to be the poster child of this and I don't want to be a role model, but this situation happened. It transformed you. And the reality is he could have did up to two to four years in state prison. 
And what if he sneezed and did something off in prison? They put him in solitary confinement because we've seen what happened with Khalif Browder. And that messes you up and actually has more of a detrimental effect than anything else. But I'm glad he's out and he's free. I just hope that we continue to have conversations around this and we actually take it to another level because it's really sad and it's unfortunate, especially now that we have people out in society who may not have, they don't have the freedom that they really want and need. And also too, like they're really restricted to do certain things. Maybe they can't go after a certain job because it doesn't fit within the requirements of their parole conditions. So yeah, something to be mindful of. Yeah, definitely well said. And just in a, the only thing I want to add to that, what I really hope comes out of this, I want a new Meek Mill and Drake track. Like, <laughs> really? June, Scorpion season, the Drake album's dropping, Gemini season. I think Drake is being a little quiet because he feel, I think he feel bad for him. So he's like, I'm gonna leave him alone. He had a rough year. I'm hoping, I'm hoping Meek Mill's is on Drake's album. Do it for the Gemini's June 19th, <laughs> Coach V's birthday. Oh Let God. Go. Gemini season, you're Oh no, I can't deal with Gemini's. I'm a Virgo, hard body. Y'all are y'all two faced. No wonder why he did move what he had for the time. <laughs> wow. Wow. Me? <laughs> you have your I'm moody? Oh. Don't do that. Don't I'm do even, that. I'm not even put you on the I'm not moody. I just have my moments. Okay. It's a difference. All right. You got it. So, <laughs> moving on. I love you. Love you too. Mm hmm. Um,. So there's been uh, a lot of recent events where uh, white people have been calling cops. <laughs> <laughs> what? Why? You saying it like that? Like you scared they gonna call the cops on you? Yeah, it just feels uncomfortable <laughs> saying it's white people, but it just it happens to be white people calling the cops on black yeah. people. And one thing I want to point out: this, this let's make America great again. This isn't something new that's been happening. Like this isn't a phenomenon. Like oh my god. They're calling the cops on black people. But it's like in this, like the time that we're living in now, a lot of these things are being brought to light in terms Facts. of like police brutality and now even the more minor minor um, instances of racial profiling and just kind of... Isn't that lovely? Yeah. <laughs> I, think it, I think it's a beautiful thing that these things are starting to come out so people can really see like, oh, this isn't like, something fake this is real like um yeah it's not easy being black so exhibit a darling yeah so earlier this month at yale university sarah brush a graduate student also known as becky that's not nice <laughs> yeah she wasn't nice either <laughs> she didn't feel safe okay <laughs> she i don't feel safe <laughs> so she called the cops on lolaid Ciambola, another graduate student who attended yale and Lolaid was napping in the common area, which is pretty normal on a college campus. I, I'm thinking you can speak to that what? as well. Of Duncan. course. When I was at SU, now y'all know I attended Syracuse University. Shout out to the orange woman and orange man. Um, I slept. Not like Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> the Syracuse University man with it. <laughs> That's a good one. I like you. Not Cheeto Hitler. <laughs> Not Cheeto Hitler. <laughs> um, no, when I was on campus. We had, of course, we had lounges and stuff like that. I used to take, I, I love naps because of college. Like, I started to nap a lot in college. So, I can see that being, I wish a bitch would contact the cops on me while I was there napping. Girl, the lawsuit that would have happened? Mm. Becky would have known what time it is, I tell you. Continue. Mm -hmm. So, the cops arrived and Lole verified that she attended the university. And, unfortunately, Sarah had a history 
of calling the cops on black people on campus. She actually she so called it's like a thing. Yeah. This is what she does her hobby. That's yeah. Okay. People like horseback riding reading. She likes to call the cops on black people. Yay! <laughs> Take long walks on the beach. You're hired. <laughs> That's exactly what we want. That's exactly she what about, we're she about for. to get a, a job at Starbucks. Starbucks. <laughs> she's wet. She's wet. They're gonna have a one day training program. Back. She's gonna get hired after the training. Just yeah, just wait to put your application. After. Yo, we ain't shit. So, whew, bringing it back, bringing it back. Okay. She called the cops on the late's friend a while back, and she verbally assaulted her friend and followed him to his destination, and the cops arrived to investigate a suspicious character. And I'm doing quote-unquote suspicious, because that just means a black person. And you know what's crazy? When you seen the video of Lil' Laid interacting with the cop, like, this is how, ins- and you definitely watch that video when you get a chance. Um, this is how situations escalate with police officers and black people, and it leads to us getting shot and killed. Because it was like, she told me, like, this is a part of harassment. He's gonna tell her, no, it's not. Like, yes, it is. You're harassing me based on this person contacting you because I was sleeping and I attend this university. At what point does the cops use their logic and say, okay, this is a bit much? So even in the video interaction with her and the cop, I could feel and understand her frustration because I'm like, yo, how do you remain level-headed in this situation? So another encounter happened in April. Um, a white woman called the police on a black family for setting up a charcoal barbecue in Oakland, California, Lake Merritt. So basically, the Oakland resident, Ansayo Abram, <laughs> was setting up a barbecue. And then here comes this white woman practically harassing him about the setup. She alleged that children can be injured by the coils. But interestingly enough, there was no children around on the premises. So I'm not sure what she was getting at. Anyway, another white woman walked up, observed the situation, then walked up. Her name is Michelle Snyder. Hey, Michelle, how you doing, boo? (laughs) I see you. So she walked up, and she basically challenged the white woman. There's a video of it where she's just like, why are you bothering these people? Like, what is the issue? And she's on the phone trying to call the cops in her shades because she got to hide her face. (laughs) And (laughs) you know how they do. (laughs) You know how they do. And... She's basically telling her the reasons why they shouldn't be in the park. And the Michelle is refuting her claims. Like, they have every right to be here. They're not doing anything out of the ordinary. They're not violating any park rules. And even the guy that she harassed, he was saying how she was basically saying it's her park. And how that she can contact the police, which she did. And um, they will most likely go to jail. The cops came. She started doing her white tears. Started crying because she looked like a hot-ass mess. And she looked stupid because... The cops did not lock them up. They didn't do anything. They spoke with the family. The cops should have got some burgers. I believe they detained the family for about an hour or less to speak with them. Um, But aside from that, nothing else happened. That's just annoying that they got detained for an hour for barbecuing. But just for barbecuing. And you know how we do. We like to clap back. And we do it really well. So when this kind of went viral... Like, a lot of people came in droves, basically black people, came to the park, and they was just having a huge-ass barbecue. Like, it's on social media. It's viral. Basically, they was electric sliding on that shit. I was like, I love my people. And then you see the memes. (laughs) You see the memes. All the memes they have with this chick is hilarious. Like, her memes are hilarious. I just thought it was really funny how that came about. And allegedly, it came to surface that they identify who she is. She works at Stanford University. They don't know if she's a professor or a part of the staff. 
Um, so more will come about, and we'll definitely post all of that information on social media like we always do. <clears throat> it's really sad because when I go to, like, I like going to Central Park. Yeah. And it's predominantly white. And I always have this thought in my mind, like, what if, like, a whole bunch of black people just started coming to the park? I live in Harlem, and so there's a lot of black people in the area, but when I walk two blocks into the park, it's like, it's like it's a there's a, it's like a barrier in there. Like, they're not really in there as much. Yeah. And, and I'm like, what if all the black people just started coming to hang out and really enjoy the awesomeness of Central Park? Like, in my mind, I have this anxiety and fear, like, oh, somehow this, that would be made wrong. Like, police would start showing up. Like, like get what I'm saying? No, I feel you. I feel like, like there's if a, there's that a was capacity. to happen... Yeah, no, it's true. And I, and I honestly do agree with you on that. I feel like if it was, like, a, a large sum of us in the park and just chilling and hanging out, I wouldn't be surprised if cops came up and, and trying to investigate what's going on or question us and stuff like that, which is sad. And I feel, I feel that way. I feel your anxiety. Like I completely get it. And that's, and that's crazy. Cause I see someone that post on my social media was like, black people always have to prove our humanity. Like yeah. we always have to prove our humanity, even in this situation. You know what I'm saying? It's like, really? We constantly have to prove ourselves for what? It's like just being alive and being who we are is not sufficient. And I do feel that. I feel like if it was Central Park, if shit, if it was Bryant Park, they probably would have came, even though it's a smaller park. Yeah. They probably would have came and invested. Just the fact that there's like a large group of us, especially if we're like, we're both cultural. You're Haitian, I'm Jamaican. Imagine we there cooking up our cultural dishes and we loud. You know we loud. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Imagine, they probably think we arguing and fighting and it's like, that's not what we're doing. We're yeah. just, this is how we are. So that, you made a very valid point and I really do agree with you. Yeah. Well, it's all good because we got a, a black woman who's about to be in the royal family. So that family's about to be lit. <laughs> <laughs> Times are changing. <laughs> it ain't changing that much. Okay. <laughs> That prince gonna be the next Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he's gonna Let's ha- see. He's gonna have a redhead afro. <laughs> I want to see that. Let him talk about some real issues that we got something to talk about. Another event where this happened was another one. Yeah, <laughs> another one. Yo. So all this year, right? Yeah. Crazy. Unfortunately, so Donisha Prendergast and a couple of her friends rented an Airbnb in Royloda, California, and. Denisha is an actress, poet, and model. Fun fact, she's actually one of the granddaughters of reggae legend Bob Marley. Big ups. Wow, wow, ah. All right, no, please. <laughs> Stick Yo, to Creole. Why? Come on. Stick to Creole. On. Okay, why, why you got to do me like that on there? Stick to Creole. I like when you speak Creole. You like that? Yeah, it's good. Vimpa lo shit. All right, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> if you talk about my mama, I'm about to fuck you up. I'm teasing. See, I don't even know what you're saying. So <laughs> that was a that was a shout out to quote really from his song. Yeah. Oh, hey, quote. <laughs> um. So yeah. So yeah, she's a granddaughter of Bob Marley, and they they returned to the residence to get. Let's some just of their... say they messed with the wrong one. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Let's just say that. So as they were returning to the residence to get some of their items. They were swarmed by police officers. Uh, so basically, a white neighbor called the police department stating they were stealing when, in fact, they were just packing their luggage into the car. When the sergeant actually spoke to Denisha and her friend, 
he reminded them or indicated that there was a helicopter which is apparently following them from the sky to make sure no funny business happened. That they wasn't stealing their own shit. Yeah. It's crazy, right? It, that's just ridiculous, but okay. Um, mm-hmm. So, the sergeant didn't know what Airbnb was, which I think is pretty funny. Um, that's a damn shame. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that is a damn shame. Boy. So, they provided their booking confirmation and contacted the landlord to prove that they were renting the property. What is interesting, though, is the landlord, Rodriguez, it's a whole other problem right there, basically was saying that the guests exaggerated the incident. They're making it about race, and it's not because we all know it's never about race. It's always something else. It must have been her dreads that got the neighbor scared. It wasn't her skin color. Oh, you didn't <clears> know you, you can't wear dreads to an Airbnb. It's unprofessional. What is an Airbnb? I'm sorry. <laughs> clearly um but yeah so with the landlord i feel like a lot of her rhetoric is falling in line with respectability politics like well she they should have smiled and been nicer to the neighbors are you freaking serious airbnb like at what point in when you do airbnb does it say that you have to be you have to smile to your neighbors and and be a certain way clearly you didn't read the fine print no that's bullshit (laughs) you got nothing to do with no fine print like it's it's ridiculous, and the fact that the landlord came out and basically did his conference um, and spoke about it, it was like, are you serious? And what was the premise of you renting out your unit? And first of all, she didn't really follow through protocol because she didn't notify her neighbors that she was renting out her unit. I mean, you know you live in, what, a suburban community of white people? Don't you think they should know that, hey, I'm renting out my, my unit to people of color? Or just know that you're renting it in general so they don't think there's no weird activity. If you know your neighbors are so damn nosy, won't you say that to your neighbors in opposed to, well, you should have smiled. Well, there will be some blacks in the apartment this weekend. You should have smiled and got a perm. Maybe they would have liked you better. Like, you better off saying that. Like, or some cakes. <laughs> like, what? It's just blow minds with this bullshit. But to me, honestly, um, you know, we've been talking about cops calling or whatever. When it comes to this Airbnb situation... I am not surprised. First of all, I'm glad the granddaughter is from Bar Marley because guess what? Y'all done messed with the wrong one and she's going to lawyer up what she has and they actually serve the police department um, papers because they're going to be suing them because the way they went about doing everything, like the their standard protocol, whatever they cons- whatever they consider it to be. You had a helicopter. The sergeant didn't believe them. It reached a point that they had to show the sergeant the receipt from Airbnb and contact the landlord for them to finally basically stop interrogating them or harassing them, which is ridiculous. But when it comes to Airbnb, it's like, especially when it comes to people of color, I've heard some stories. Like, you can't, you you submit your information, you can't get a, a place because they, they identify you by your name, if you have an ethnic name or whatever. Like, it's difficult for people of color. And I believe that they um created, like, a black version of Airbnb. Airbnb Noir or something like that. I'm not sure how effective it is, and clearly you don't know about it, so it's yeah, not that effective. I've never heard of that. Um, but it's like <laughs> crazy, bro. But it's like I don't understand how with Airbnb there's always been these issues when it comes to people of color, especially black people trying to rent places. And in regards to this, I just think it's crazy. Like you, you accusing them of stealing their own stuff, walking out with suitcases. Like, are you serious? Like. In light of all of these encounters, are you surprised at all with this sequence of events with cops being called for no apparent reason? Not at all. I'm not surprised in the slightest. I just actually am 
I'm happy about it because it seems like it's not a big deal, but you really get to see what's really happening, what's the reality um, for people. Um, yeah. How do you feel, but like for you as a black man, if you go into certain spaces and areas, do you ever stop and think, oh, they're probably going to call the cops on me if I say something or I look a certain way? Do you feel like you feed into respectability politics a lot? I do at times. But do you do time, it because you want to or you do it because you feel like you have to? Oh, I do it because I just, I enjoy it. Like, and let me make, let me kind of give more background. So yes, like sometimes do. I'll like wearing a suit and a tie and looking like dappered up. And then other times I'll like just ripped jeans, boots, like tank top and or whatever just out here and i've i've generally had like occasions where me and my brother are walking around and i'm just like we should we be wearing tank tops in this location like we're showing a lot of skin right now and we're not like skinny so i don't want anyone to feel like threatened by us and i feel like it sounds crazy but it it's your reality it, it definitely is the reality of the situation like people can feel um threatened or just feel, um, what's the word? Just uncomfortable just by my presence just because I'm dark. And, yeah. But imagine, well, you're dark-skinned, but then you're short. Imagine it's, if you were tall. Like, I, do you think you would have went through much worse? Hell yeah. Are because you Because of your me? height and your complexion? Are you kidding? I feel bad for, like, my friends who are, like, six foot three and certain locations because it's like they walk in and people instantly like oh hold up and especially if you got facial hair it's a wrap you look like you a problem and, and if you don't smile like, that too then it's a problem like what do you, why are you not smiling and then you got on a hoodie <laughs> yo with some skittles bro we already seen how this joint played out but that's the thing like with encounter of all of these events and what has happened i just find it to be interesting like how even with the videos people are saying like can we post this on our social media which is very active especially instagram so get on instagram if you're not because our comment sections be lit and <laughs> <laughs> i'll be sitting back like bro they arguing with each other and go ahead <laughs> go right ahead honey um what i just like i think one time i posted a video and it was like what did they do excuse me and that's the thing it's like even when you post these videos it's not enough it's like what does so-and-so do for them to call a cop? Nobody. I was just black That's putting on a barbecue. I was just black sleeping in my dorm. And I'm paying a gazillion dollars to attend this university, which is supposed to be a prestigious university on top of that. <laughs> uh-huh. And what kills me with that <laughs> prestigious university, her friend who, who experienced that same incident from the same white girl who called the cops on her, when they reported it to the school, they didn't really do anything about it until this new event happened. And it was like, oh, they may do something, but they're not really doing anything. They need to hold her accountable. Like, she needs to either be dispelled or they need to figure something out. Because allowing her just to be out here calling cops as a hobby on black people, that's not cool. Yeah. Um, And also, and not even just, you know, you sleeping in a dormitory, but then also you're doing Airbnb. And Airbnb, that's why I've been very skeptical about it. I'm not really as excited as I was when it first came on the scene. Cause I'm just like being that there's so much stigma to it and there are racial bias. I feel like in my opinion, with some of these homeowners, it's like, I don't feel comfortable really following through with Airbnb. So when this situation happened, I was like, this brought a light to the situation, but I really wish they would unpack it more and speak about other Airbnb experiences with people of color 
who have experienced who have experiences like had bad you know turn of events whether it's with the landlord or community members or whatever the case may be because i feel like it's important you're thriving your business off of this and then at the same time it's like not all parties involved are comfortable yeah just i want to make a quick point i feel I went out one weekend in Williamsburg, and it was like 3 in the morning, came out of the club, and it smelled like just dank, loud, everywhere. Or Sorry, marijuana, for those who don't know what the loud is. It just smelled like so weed. Loud. It smelled like weed Quality everywhere. <laughs> and there were just people outside, again, predominantly white, literally just smoking weed all over the place. Of course. Like, people were blowing up balloons with some gas and then inhaling the gas like all in the street corner Did you see the cops nowhere Helicopter? nowhere None? in sight squad it was in my SWAT mind team? and i'm like growing up in brooklyn going to parties in brooklyn like instantly once parties were over the police would just be waiting outside and it ain't even just one cop bro it's the precinct right and that and that, that that's the, <laughs> the crazy chiefs, thing everybody their moms is there and that kind of just got me <laughs> frustrated and kind of just made it just made it crystal apparent like there's a different treatment when black people are gathering and white people are gathering yes and we could be doing the exact same things but it gets treated completely different because there's no way like out of a party in let's say brownsville brooklyn or canarsie people are going to be outside smoking weed because it would be a wrap but it's uh, no i completely understand it even with like the parade on Flatbush Street, cops is out there, and I mean I get it, I get it, but I mean come on, it's not as many cops as if you go to the LGBT parade or if you go to any other parade on Fifth Ave downtown Manhattan. To me, it's not as extensive. Yeah. So I get it. Like it's when we have our events, it's like we have to be policed. We have to be like cops have to be present. But I've seen stuff in white gatherings, and I was like, wow, where the cops at? Ain't nobody here. Ain't nobody calling cops on nobody else. <laughs> yeah, the black people. Becky there sniffing crack. She's not calling the cops on the record rest of the Becky. So to me, it's like, that's the part. Like, it's really crazy to me how these turning events happen. I'm, I'm happy that they're being videotaped. But even to me, it's just not enough. To start, in terms of change it happened. Uh, black people calling the police <laughs> on white people. That would be some shit. What, what neighborhood is this in? But uh, you know what Manhattan killed Beach? me? Oh no, I'm sorry. We don't have any officers in the <laughs> right now. And, you, and what would kill me is if we contact them, how long it's going to take them to come? Yeah. If we call them, probably take an hour. And when Becky calls, it takes five minutes. And that's a whole other problem. <laughs> okay. Speaking of weed. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of weed, um, so Cynthia Nixon is running for governor in New York, and recently she made a very problematic statement about reparations. She said that now that cannabis is exploding as an industry, we have to make sure that those communities that have been harmed and devastated by marijuana arrests get their first shot at this industry. Nixon told Forbes magazine... We must prioritize them in terms of licenses. It's a form of reparation. So, this statement created a whole outburst. Everybody named Mama has something to say. You know, um, a group of black pastors published a letter to the Daily News. And part of the letter was, Your comments make clear that you have no idea of the history and meaning behind the reparations debate in this country. 
the pastors also wrote, um, it was a clueless, uninformed remark that did a disservice to black people who have fought for centuries for equal justice and basic human rights. Black Lives Matter of Greater New York called her common ignorant. Reverend Al Sharpton, on the other hand, um, he said, I'm all for legalizing marijuana and I like Cynthia Nixon, but putting pot shops in our communities is not reparation. Healthcare, education, um, and he tweeted that. Um, I don't know. Also, the cannabis advocates um, basically defended her comment, who is Jacob Powden and Nelson Guerrero, founders of the Cannabis Cultural Associates, CCA. Of course, they will defend it, so there's no surprise there. Um, and another pastor who was a part of the ones that wrote the letter, um, Pastor Troy D. Cohen, basically said that her as a politician using that terminology is a way for her to pimp the black community. You know how it goes around elections. These white officials, politicians, even the black ones, they try to pimp the black community and our struggles and our strives because guess what? It works for them, campaign trail, and they get black votes. He sh she should have just went the Donald Trump method. What do you say? <laughs> Vote for me. Can't get any worse, blacks. <laughs> and get Kanye to wear his hat. That was his choice. <laughs> that was his choice. Anyway. You see that meme where it's like, <laughs> look at my black over there. <laughs> and it shows Kanye dancing. <laughs> anyway. Um, I don't, honestly, I'm kind of torn. I'm, fuck it, I'm not even torn, to be exact. I don't really see... I didn't see her statement being that much of a problem because I didn't view it in that light. When she said forms of reparation, my critique was more so, what are you going to implement? What forms are you speaking of? What policies are you going to put in place? And I don't think she was able to make it that far down the line because after she made this statement, people was ripping her to shreds. She did come out. She did apologize. She even apologized to Al Sharpton about her statement. She... I believe her and Al Sharpton will meet up to have a discussion or whatever the case may be. So. And other talks about what her current campaign trail is going to consist of, not just about this incident. However, I don't really think that um, it sparked that much of an uproar for me because I kind of see where she's going, what her angle is. To me, I can't really critique her fully for it until I know what her policy is, what she's going to put into place. And that's really what I want to discuss is like, how can it be a form of reparation? Maybe reparation wasn't the appropriate wording to use. And maybe that's what got people hung up. But the reality is, like, let's keep it all the way 100. You got black people, women and men, behind bars for marijuana. Like, for little, small, minimal crimes. Like, now, the way these, these states are changing, this shit is not even a crime anymore if you had a bag of eighth or you or something else <laughs> that these people was doing behind bars. So, we finally have a politician who's talking about you know, making sure we get our due diligence, black and brown people, it, because it's, this industry is it is exploding. Now, imagine if marijuana is legal. This could be people real jobs, bro. <laughs> like, who would have ever thought that could happen? Like, you could actually put together a farm and, like, actually grow marijuana, and that could be your job, and it could be legal, and you making money. And why shouldn't we benefit from that? You know what I'm saying? So, maybe the wording was off, but... I'm all for it because I'm like, yo, you got people still to this day behind bars. We just posted something on Instagram. It was something that you found a beautiful meme. Can you speak on it, please? Yeah, it was just, it was a, a picture of a black inmate in jail. Um, 
just counting down his days in jail on the wall and just reading a article in the newspaper that said marijuana is okay now and it was just pretty sad and ironic because you could just assume that he was in jail for crimes related to weed and now he's out and sorry now weed is legal and he's still doing time for that and it, it just sucks because kind of going back to what i was saying before um, I know white and black people who do marijuana, but for the black community, we're just disproportionately um, targeted when it comes to these to, to charges for that drug use. And now it's like, okay, it's legal, and it's it's I I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think it's safe to assume that. The majority of the people who are benefiting off weed being becoming legal are not the brown and black brown and black communities that were disproportionately targeted for use using and selling of the drug initially. So it's just like okay, well, when it's bad, we're gonna make sure to target the black people, and now that it's good, we're gonna make sure the the non-black people are the ones to profit off of it. Yeah. Like that doesn't make sense. And I remember I was at a forum couple years back and it was like a protest slash forum and this guy stood up and he said he made a valid point pertaining to marijuana but he said one of his points that he made like i don't watch the show weeds Mm -hmm. he said i think he said i think it's a disgrace he wouldn't watch it and we inquired why he was like because like you're you have a show with i believe it's a white cast or a majority of the person who is in charge of selling the weed and manufacturing as a white person they're profiting heavily off of it and he was like but you got black people on the street every day getting locked up for that but then you got to show that you're promoting it and i was like damn i fucks with it i didn't i don't watch the show i don't really care to and honestly i wouldn't want to 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 encourage it because of the fact that because of the fact that it's true like you know what i'm saying and it kills me that certain groups are treated differently than others and we're doing the same kind of crime so i think her point is valid i don't know where all Sharpton was going with you know create i don't believe she's gonna create shops in our communities yes i want to see more healthier things in our communities not a weed shop or whatever the case may be but if they're gonna put something in place where it's gonna benefit certain people like if it's if this industry is actually imploding and it's gonna benefit white people then it should be definitely be a benefit in black people and i think the first people you need to make sure benefits is black and brown people because a significant amount of us is behind bars and i'm not really concerned about setting up shops in a community and getting all fancy and doing like two for one deals i'm more concerned about the people who are still doing time we need to open up those cases and we need to get them out of jail we need to clear their records that's the kind of growth and improvement i want to see that's something i'm like okay I bang with it. Okay. And then we could think about other ways of implementing it if it does become legalized in New York in terms of having farms and stuff like that. Let it be monetarized. And if you're going to have people work in this facility, what people you're going to have? Not just selective people. You know what I'm saying? So, but my main concern, if they're going to really turn things around, and if we want to talk about forms of repar- um, reparations or however we want to word it, maybe people are really hung up on the wording of what she used. We need to really get the ones who are in prison out and we need to clear their records and make sure that they have jobs lined up when they come out of jail and they have a living situation set up when they get out of jail. You don't just throw them into society and be like, okay, figure it out. Especially the ones who've been in jail for marijuana and Lord knows what else could have happened while they was in jail and they may have ended up in solitary confinement. Make sure they're getting the help that they need 
the mental health that they need and stability and therapy and also those people transitioning from leaving prison going back into society making sure they're getting the proper resources and accessibility so they could be a better version of themselves and also be great for them to be advocates as to what's going on with marijuana being legalized in the u.s so that's really my concern when it comes to it and we could figure out what's going to happen down the road but I really think this whole conversation around it and how they bloated up with these pastors coming in and chiming in, I get people's take, but I personally don't think it's that serious. And she did apologize. And if it is a form of reparation, at least somebody's talking about it. <laughs> We've been talking about 40 years in a mule all this time and all now we can't even see nothing. So like, so at least somebody's saying something and it's realistic. Damn, speak on it. Occur. What do you think would have been appropriate form of reparation? For marijuana or just for um, slavery? <laughs> All of the above, bro. To be honest, I don't know much about what the reparations are. And I I need to do my own research on that because I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what... But do you think... All right, in the context of this marijuana and what she said, do you think it will be... What is your take on that? Would you think it will be a form of um, reparation... Or do you think no? Or maybe the wording was off for her. Um, I think I don't even know what the exact definition of reparation is to answer that question. But I could say that I do think it would be a great start to actually, like you said, getting the people out of jail that are still doing time for marijuana-based crimes. And then prioritizing them to actually be able to profit from this growth in the industry because it, it would suck if these people were ripped from their families lives altered forever because of this and now there's there's and they don't even get an opportunity to profit in the growing industry especially because it's so young and so new and evolving like this is the time they need to get in before it completely gets monopolized and then i don't know Procter and Gamble's gonna just have that Child. whole thing locked down. Bruh. Do you think if she was a white man that made Wal- this comment? Walmart's gonna be having their own weed farm. <laughs> Yo. Nobody's eating off of it. Bruh. Um, do you think if she was a white man, it would have received that much backlash? Um, I definitely think so. But I, I, I'm disappointed at the fact that she didn't come out and stand firm. I think one thing Donald Trump has shown sorry, Cheeto Hitler has shown, is if you actually really stand behind what, you, what you're saying, one, people are going to respect you and that your supporters are going to really stand behind you. And I think, I don't know, I personally thought it was soft to actually fall back and come out apologizing. Like, I actually doubled down and really come out and say, what is your plan? Like, you, you said something that was... Um, kind of vague now it's your opportunity to really say this is how i propose we would do something about this so i wish that's how she had responded to it um well do you think i mean i think her response is valid it's not a matter of her like being soft because look at our racial climate look what we maybe if we had a different president in the office maybe if we wasn't there was a video recordings every five minutes of black person getting locked up i would think indifferently i think 
her her apologizing to me is not soft. I don't view it as that. What did she apologize for? For the word that she used. Maybe the word was out of touch or out of place with what she said. And if she she offended anybody. Yeah, and if she offended anybody. But the thing is, I don't think her apologizing is her being soft. I get it in the context of where we are as a country. Like, it's polarizing. Like, where we are, it's like, I feel like it's at, like, the highest racial climate. Because, or one of the highest racial climate. To me, it's just, I get her, I don't think she's soft for apologizing. By you saying she's soft, I'm just like, ugh, I don't like that word, especially when it associates females. Shout out to my feminists. But it's just, I don't feel like she's soft for apologizing. Um, I I didn't perceive it that way. I get why she did it, but especially with where we're at now as a, as a society and a culture, as a U.S., I don't, I'm not surprised by that. But I wouldn't say that she's soft. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that at all. So I just looked up the definition of reparations and it's the making of amends for a wrong one has done by paying money to or otherwise helping those who have been wronged. So under that definition, that would be reparations. Getting people out of jail for time that they've gotten because of marijuana charges and supporting them in being able to benefit off of the growing industry that's taking place right now. So... Under that definition, she didn't say anything wrong. Yeah, under that definition. But the way that, the fact that she said forms of reparations and how people view reparations, it shouldn't be in the context of old marijuana. That's what I'm saying. Like, I guess because of the way she said it and there was no We're really follow through. We're not getting reparations through, for slavery. It's over. And there's no follow through <laughs> for, well, clearly since we had a choice. So, right, exactly. <laughs> and we had a whole choice exactly. to be out of slavery. So there's not going to be no reparations. Thanks, Kanye. Um... But I think in the context of what she said and not having consistent follow-through as to what the policies are, that's where there's a disconnect. Because Al Sharpton did agree with her. Um, how Hopefully, once they have their conversation, their talk, and she speak with other leaders, maybe she's going to come forward and discuss what her policy is going to be right. surrounding it. But I'm glad we're having the conversation about it because I think it needs to be had. Um, and that's actually what one of the representatives of the cannabis group had said, like, we need to talk about this because it's very polarizing and it affects a lot of communities and the communities that seem to be affected the most at a detrimental rate is black and brown people. So the fact that she's bringing it to the surface, I don't knock her for it. I just want to know what your policy is, bring it forward, and I'll be on board for it because we do need to make sure in some aspects we're benefiting from this industry if it does become something. Like, let's keep it all the way 100. Definitely. Well said. Now we're going to switch gears. And Coach P going to drop his gems. Yes. (laughs) That's the only thing you drop? I feel like Thanos. (laughs) The the Infinity. So why did you put Oh, I didn't see that yet. So I don't don't get the reference. I won't. I won't ruin it for you. Don't. How have you not seen that movie? Because I tried to see it and it sold out. And I I don't understand because people, I saw reviews about it. People made it seem like it wasn't that great. So I was like, why is it sold out? It's good. Yeah, I'm going to go check it out. And all the memes online, you have to like, you have to see That's it. why I don't get them, because I'm like, what are they saying? So, like the stones and shit? I'm like, just, what's going I'm, on? I'm not going to ruin for you. Definitely just go. Make sure you check that out. Let all the right. fans know when you've seen it. I will. So we could talk about it. So on this episode of Coach P, I want to talk about something that can give you more energy, clear your skin, and give it a glow. Is it sex? Uh, oh, damn. Damn. So soon? Somebody's horny. <laughs> I'm good. Fellas, holla. Don't do that. <laughs> um, help you look younger. <laughs> now, why you stop reading it when I said that? <laughs> Listen, I'm just a matchmaker. I'm trying to find love. <laughs> yeah, all right. 
for both of us. <laughs> We're both single. <laughs> um, help you lose weight and much more. And you may be wondering, what's this miracle drug? Well, look no further than water. Dum dum dum. <laughs> I'm making my own sound effect. I hear that. So, in our society today, people really walk around being dehydrated and not even realizing it. And when you really think about it, we're made up of up to, sorry, we're made up of give or take 60% water. And a lot of times we're mistaking being hungry with actually just needing to rehydrate and just refill and filter out the bad water. Because when we're sweating, we're working, we're thinking a lot, all that is just taken up. Are water. you sure? Because I'll be hungry and I drink water and I'm still hungry. <laughs> no, no, and that's good. Like, So I don't know what you talk about. You should definitely, oh, a, a good rule of thumb when it comes to your water intake, to drink like a tall glass of water about 30 minutes before your meal and about 30 minutes after your meal. But if I drink 30 minutes before a meal, I'm going to be kind of like full, that's, like bloated. So that's the thing. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna get to that. Okay. But in terms of drinking it before your meal, and you don't want to have too much where you feel uncomfortable, but just enough to kind of just get your, clean out your digestive tract, let it start just clearing itself mm-hmm. out. And then having more water in your system, you'll just be operating better and you won't be eating as much calories that you may not necessarily need because your body is getting satiated with that water. I like that word. So, yeah, you like that? <laughs> Big word for you. I'm, I'm proud of you, boo Our book club is working. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, so, an uh, interesting way to think about it is the water that you drink is what turns into the blood in our body. And our blood is the system that nutrients and waste are transported throughout that throughout our body. Facts. Yeah. So, um, I wanted to just point out three ways that you can actually incorporate getting more water into your body so that you're getting all those benefits that I was talking about in the beginning. So the first tip, if you want to take your water to the next level, you should always alkalizing it. And that sounds like a crazy fancy word, but when you alkalize water, what that simply means is just taking some sliced up lemons and dropping that into the water. It has to be lemon, so it can't be lime. You could put lime in as well. Or anything else. So it's basically like the lemon and the lime, those give it the the citric acid in that Mm -hmm. will help alkalize the water so that when we drink it, it adjusts the pH balance in our body. So I'll give you the quick like explanation of that. Our body has to be in balance. We can either be alkalized or acidic. So the more acidic you are, that means the more acid you have in your body. Okay. And the more alkalized, the the less acidity you have in your body. And the scale is from 0 to 14, with 14 being high acid and 0 being the lowest acidity. Okay. And we want our body to be a little bit underneath 7, which is just slightly alkalized. Okay. And the interesting way that I, when I learned about this... When you when your body's more acidic, your body will naturally just hold on to more fat because it needs that fat protecting your joints, protecting your organs, so that you're not being damaged by the acidity that's building up in your blood. Okay. So when you alkalize your water, 
by adding the lemon to it. One, that lemon's going to clean out your digestive tract, so you'll just feel cleansed and like the mm-hmm. waste will leave your body naturally and easier. But then it will reduce the acidity in your body. So lower acidity, your body doesn't have to worry about acid attacking your joints or attacking your organs, so it can naturally just let go of some of the fat that it holds on to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think this is so cool, because your body, everything that it does is a reaction to something you're doing to it. Yeah. So certain foods that you eat will cause more acid to build up, and this is just a good way to reduce that acid in your body and makes you feel better it gets your digestive tract going so you get get rid of waste out of your body mm-hmm. when you're getting rid of the waste you feel much better yeah um so that's that's the first thing by adding lemon to your water it'll just definitely upgrade the quality of your water and how it makes you feel by again cleaning your digestive tract and just helping your immune system overall um the next thing is you want to drink at least half of your weight in fluid ounces, and that should be the base. So Wait, what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the way that works, let's say you're 200 pounds, right? Mm-hmm. If you're a 200-pound person, on minimum, you should be drinking 100 fluid ounces of water. A day? A day. That's, so that's a gallon? Um, I don't know exactly how much 100 fluid ounces is. Because I thought you just had to drink a gallon no matter your body size or... The reason why I know that, because Gabrielle Union did an interview. Uh-huh, and they say? asked about her hair and her skin. And you know, uh-huh. she's flawless. Hey, Gabrielle, mm. honey, I love you. And she said she drinks a gallon a day. And I was like, okay. So I thought it was based off of you drink. So it's based off of your body mass. Right. And then, okay. So basically, I could be drinking a gallon... And maybe you'll be drinking less than a gallon or more than a gallon based off of your body mass. Exactly. So I just checked it. One gallon is 128 fluid ounces. And that that is just like the base. So whatever your weight is, you divide that by two. And that's the minimum fluid ounces you want to take in. So if she's doing 128, you have to also factor in if you're exercising because all the exercising you're doing when you're, you're sweating, yeah, you're yeah. getting rid of water from your body. So your body's getting dehydrated. Um, also, mental energy. When you're just at a computer, you're working, you're focusing, all that energy you're taking, that's causing your body to get rid of water as well, too. So if you're expending a lot of energy, you're walking around, you're just being active, you're going to need more water than that minimum base. But if you can start with your base going at half of your body weight in fluid ounces, that's a great place to start in terms of being able to just get adequate amount of water. And after like two, three weeks, you'll really start to see the benefits of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And the third thing is one thing that I love, and I've seen the instant change it's had for me, was um, incorporating an inner bath in the morning. So we always we all wake up and shower, bathe to kind of wash our skin. But the inner bath is about washing your internal system. And the way you do that, you take about anywhere from 20 to 40 fluid ounces, which just to give you an idea, a standard water bottle is 6.9 fluid mm-hmm. ounces. So this is about anywhere from two to three water bottles. And you basically drink that just like right after you wake up in the morning, you drink that ideally with some lemon in it. So it's alkalized. And what that will do for you, it basically wakes your body up because overnight when your body's sleeping, your 
it's still losing water, you're still being dehydrated, and this wakes you up, it gets your organs activated, the lemon actually cleans out your digestive tract, and it will, as a, as a warning, it will literally flush you out, like first thing in the morning. Like you will have to use the bathroom within 20 to 30 minutes. But I say it's a great way to start your day because having all this water introduced into your system to start off your day, it's usually more water than most people are used to drinking in general. So you're getting that big intake right away. It wakes you up. You get your energy levels high. And when you get that waste out of your body, you feel much better naturally. Mm -hmm. So it promotes just actually clearing of the toxic stuff from you. So you're just left feeling good. Well, that's the thing. Like, I've tried the whole drink a gallon a day thing. Mm -hmm. It's just, I think it's great. And I do see the difference, especially in my skin. And I I look at my urine to make sure because it's very clear. That's why I know I'm taking a good intake of water. It's Mm -hmm. just, I pee a lot, though. Right. And I can't hold, like, I can't be holding it for hours. You know, not saying I'm peeing on myself, but it's like I have to make sure I plan out my day in the sense of if I'm going to go here... I'm going to use it back. Because I don't like to use public restrooms. Like, that's one of my pet peeves. Like, if I use a public restroom, it has to be in a nice establishment. Like, it has to be clean. But, like, if it's one of those hole in a wall, like, I kid you not, I hate to use public restrooms. So, for me, I'm always, like, it's a conflict day in and day out. Because it's like, all right, I need to use the bathroom. I don't want to go here. I don't want to go there. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, for me, I think it, it is a great process and stuff like that but the after the side effect is having to use the bathroom very frequently and even if i'm at a place where i have access to a nice clean bathroom like say i'm at my office i want to be getting up every like i feel like every like freaking 30 45 minutes i need to use the bathroom and plus i love tea so i drink tea too Mm. so i don't know like i get it i really do get it but I really dislike that I have to use the bathroom a lot. So I haven't been drinking as much when it comes to a gallon of water because it's like, it's kind of frustrating. Yeah. And that's definitely a valid point because, again, why I love the body and understanding how it works, when you start to drink lots of water, your body realizes, okay, I'm getting water from my human, Mm -hmm. whatever. I'm getting water, so I don't need to hold on to water. Mm -hmm. So... I get to, I'm going to just let it go. Any excess water we have in here, it's got to go. And that's why you'll start using the bathroom more frequently. So one thing I would say about that, just, it's about finding the balance. Mm Because for me, a gallon of water a day, that's a lot. 128 pounds, I'm like 160. I'm Mm -hmm. almost drinking my body weight in water. So that Mm -hmm. might be too much for me to the point where I might not be getting enough calories because I'm too full of water. And so I think it's about just finding that tweak and that balance that works for you mm-hmm. so for gabrielle union depending on her level of activity a gallon a day she may not go to the bathroom as much as you do mm-hmm. so i would try to see what works for you that where you feel your energy level is high you feel good but you're not going to the bathroom every 20 30 minutes yeah or also even just timing when you have your intake because for me i take about half of my water in the morning before i leave the apartment so I'll drink like 50 fluid ounces before I go to the gym or go to work. So I pretty much got almost half of what I'm planning to take mm-hmm. in for the day. Um, so, yeah. And I just wanted to go through the list of benefits of actually being mindful of the water that you're intaking and what you can really expect to get from it. So first, when you drink lots of water, you're going to reduce your water weight because, again, your body will naturally flush any excess water 
because it knows it's getting water. So it doesn't need to hold water in your stomach or anywhere in your body. So that water weight's going to just start letting go. And if you're also reducing your salt intake as well, which salt retains water, you can lose anywhere up to seven pounds just straight water weight. Mm-hmm. So if you want a quick kickstart a diet. Um, again, better transportation of nutrients and oxygen and waste. So the nutrients and the oxygen will just be traveling in your bloodstream because you're constantly replacing your blood and it's just going to be traveling where it needs to go more efficiently, which is always good. But in a, on the side of waste, you if you're exercising or if you're moving, you're walking, just being active, you're going to be peeing out fat from your body as well. And you may not think about it that way, mm-hmm. but if you're alkalizing your water so your body doesn't need to hold on to as much fat to protect from the acid plus you're drinking lots of it, when you're peeing, it looks clear, but you're getting rid of fat from your fat cells are leaving your body as well. Oh, wow. So it's definitely beneficial in terms of getting that waste out of your body. Um, when your body's more hydrated, you just have higher levels of moisture. And for us black people, that's really important, especially with that ashiness. Facts. Yeah, especially around the wintertime. You definitely want to not only moisturize with lotions, for your out your outer skin but just keeping your body moisturized internally it definitely that's where you get that glow from your skin because it's actually being moisturized on the inside mm-hmm. but normally we're just thinking about adding moisture from the outside um you also have increased levels of energy you just feel more mm-hmm. energetic and it actually helps your brain functioning where you have less fatigue less moody behavior, more focus, and just more memory and brain performance. A lot of times we'll just leave the house having breakfast or having something like coffee, which gets us dehydrated. So we're not, we don't realize the effects that the things that we're putting into our body dehydrated, but that high I get from drinking that coffee is everything. I love my coffee. Yeah. That's a fact. Me too. (laughs) I could definitely talk about coffee, but I'm not even going to get into that right now. And then, it's for the next episode. Yeah, and, and then the last two is also reducing headaches from dehydration because a lot of That's times true. our brain, it's basically sitting in a vat of water. Mm-hmm. So our brains really require hydration. And when we're dehydrated, our brain's one of the first things that's going to react where you're not able to focus, you're moody, and you <laughs> may get headaches. So I want to know what, what Trump brain is sitting in. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Continue. And lastly, this is for my, my drinkers out there. When you're drinking lots of water, that will reduce the effects of hangover. Because in effect, the hang- yeah, a hangover is just your body not being hydrated. Because when you're drinking alcohol, it stops water from being able to get inside your cells. So... If you're drinking lots of alcohol, you get dehydrated and cells don't get to get inside your body. So by drinking lots of water, it's just going to naturally keep your body hydrated and prevent having that hangover feeling the next day. So next time you go out drinking, try having a glass of water in between each drink or really getting a nice bottle or two when you get home Mm -hmm. in preparation for the next day and you'll see how you feel. It's funny you say that because I heard that the trick to get over a hangover is like, I think you have a glass of water, two Advils, and either half or a full glass of orange juice and you wake up like nothing happened. That's what I heard. And so 
Never made it to that point though, so I can't call it. You've never had a hangover. I had a hangover. I never made it to recovery uh, like that. Uh, yeah. I heard it's like if, but you got to do it the night that you basically are drunk. Like you got to remember to do all and who I can never. And that's the thing. And just even with that, like the Advil kind of stops that yeah feeling, but then the. The orange juice and the water, all that is just getting you hydrated. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it's actually crazy when you understand how the body works and how these things operate. You just do simple things and you get the results that you want. Like, I've woken up hungover and I was like, I just want to not leave this bed. But I got up, did like 50 jumping jacks to get my energy up, and I just chugged mad water within like 20 minutes. I had a meal. And I was like, oh, crap. You feel good. I feel amazing. Okay. I didn't have to suffer through this with the whole day feeling like this. So So my thing is, say is you want to get into the habit of drinking a gallon of water, which is something... It's hard to remember to drink that during a day. Like, what do you recommend? I would definitely recommend checking out uh, the App Store. I know for my iPhone, there are two apps that are two of the more popular apps on the App Store. One is called My Water Balance daily drink tracker and then the other is drink water reminder and tracker the letter n and those are just reminders that just help you stay conscious of drinking water and being consistent with it and i know some people who've even gone to the point where every hour and a half they have an alarm on their phone that reminds them to get up and go grab a drink Mm -hmm. of water and then walk around for a few minutes just little things like that like whatever works for you whether it's a big intake in the morning and gradually around your meals or every few hours periodically. It all, it all is what works for you and your lifestyle. This is very true. Yeah. Make sure y'all get up on y'all water intake because it's very important and it does make a difference. Especially it's getting hot. It's really it's, it's, I mean, well, this weather, I don't know what's going on. Like, warmer, it might, we might hit like... 130 this year facts and people get crazy in the heat so yeah stay hydrated people so definitely take your water intake and thank you coach p for dropping gems don't you just love them ah thank you thank you (laughs) so once again thank you guys for tuning in make sure if you haven't already make that purchase of the unapologetically different ringtone at the tune stores for android and the itunes store for apple product support 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 we need y'all support guys don't just listen to the show get the ringtone yeah we definitely appreciate it seriously and as always you can follow us on instagram and twitter at unapologetic d underscore and you can find our show on itunes soundcloud and now stitcher by searching unapologetically different stay tuned for next week's episode Bye.